Hooey! Hey, this is Josh Porter. And Jason Burkhart. Welcome to the Solar Coaster. Episode 49. We are so close to that year. 49. That <laughs> is a lot. If you'd said to me a year ago, hey, let's spend... Uh, 49 days making radio. I don't well, know how you to did say come on the air, the air yeah. with me every Friday. Yeah. I asked you. So, so. Yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, number 49, the many faces of Solar World. This is interesting. We've had a lot of Solar World news in the press over the, over the past couple of months. You know, they've been, been in and out, um, but a lot recently they are back in insolvency. We're going to take a look at Solar World in their entirety and what's really going on here. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a little confusing for us, even in the industry, right? So they're certainly a part of this conversation about the tariffs. Uh, they're, uh, you know, they have a a, a a really deep background, which we are really fortunate. Very, to very be able mature to, company, especially yeah. in, I mean, in solar. They are one of the founding fathers, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then we were able to meet with, um, oh, she's the fellow's Raju. Name, Raju, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, in was it in Las, Las Vegas, Vegas, right? And uh, we have a great. Uh, uh, interview that we we were able to get with him about literally this fella as an engineer he had been in the company from kind of the beginning and he was able to map out and walk us through the whole story of how solar cells developed kind of under the umbrella of solar world mm-hmm. and the different types of, uh, of solar farms and the different uh, you know uh, all those projects milestones, and, yeah, milestones for, all the way along uh, you know, for decades and decades and decades so uh, you know we're going to learn about what's going on with solar world today a little bit and get a sense for how they're pl- playing a role in these things and then also we're going to dig deep and kind of hear some of the beginnings because it is a really important company so really excited about this um, let's jump in Jay and just kind of get through our housekeeping and and, and get ready to our news and events. Okay, okay? so uh, hey, folks, we are the Solar Coaster. We can be found right here in lovely Maui County. Fridays at 105 p.m. Uh, on KOI 1110 AM. We have a couple of FM stations uh, as well: 96.7 FM Central Maui, 96.5 FM West Side, 98.7 FM Up Country. It is a call-in show. Two four two seven eight hundred is the call-in line. We got a great website. Uh, Jay, you want to tell us about that? Sure. Solar-Coaster.com. Head on over there. You can check out all our old content. Forty-eight other shows that are out there with lots of information for you guys. Uh, you can pop on the uh, YouTube channel from there. You can listen live on the internet if you happen to be out of range at the time. Uh, you can also scroll down the bottom, the bo- bottom, get on our mailing list, and submit questions right there on the website. So if you can't get your question in on air, submit your question there on the website. We will get, definitely get to you. Yeah, definitely. Um, and we just got something from YouTube, YouTube uh, this last month. We got like 3,000 minutes almost, right, of yeah. people uh, watching people on YouTube. Watching us. Oh my we're, God. we're trying to figure out how much of that was us. but <laughs> it's, all, it's all you, John. <laughs> so, hey, the uh, Solar Coaster is only on air because of a great group of sponsors. Maui Solar Project, Abuchi Electric America, Sonin Battery, Pika Energy, and Sundrum Solar. So thank you so much, sponsors. We really appreciate you. Uh, we will hear their commercials shortly uh, during the show. So. Yeah. Thank you, sponsors. Yeah. A couple quick announcements for uh, uh, some of the sponsors here. Uh, Maui Solar Project, of course, has our uh, our booth at Queen Kalamanu Center Mall. And uh, it's a kiosk, actually. And there's a lot of great stuff going on there. We're rebranding it. We're putting up all this uh, great kind of messaging. And, and we have some uh, interesting things happening. So do stop by QKC Mall and say hello to us. Uh, and then, um, yeah, Sundrum Solar. Mike Lintieri, the CEO who was uh, uh, received the uh, top, top quote of the year for 2017, right? Remember that one? Pools make Pools great make great batteries. Great batteries. Batteries. He's going to be in town, uh, and uh, he's he's here to do some sun drum business, and mm-hmm. uh, so maybe we'll be able to get him on air. And so looking forward to to that with uh, Michael again. Would be very nice, here. but I'm sure he's going to be down the mall at some point doing personal appearances. Yeah. Do talk to him. I mean, he's a really interesting guy. Um, the sun drum itself is a unique <laughs> product. I would say it doesn't, I don't see anybody else doing anything like it. I got to tell you, you know, when I start thinking about this full suite of products for a home, it, it's really hard for me not to consider Sundrum as an integral piece of that puzzle because I'm just so into the idea of what it does for your your available roof space. Overall energy harvesting ability. Right. And yeah, so it just takes it to a much further level. So that's uh, Sundrum Solar, really amazing company. So come and check uh, Michael out when he's here towards the tail end of April. Um, Yeah. And then we also do podcasts. Uh, We are on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn. Uh, If you're into podcasts, download them, check them out, and uh, and you'll be able to see you do it through the way you like to do it. Take the solar coaster with you. Anywhere you go. Right. There you go. So you ready for news and events, Jay? Let's do the news. All right. Right off the bat, uh, New York Times article, Solar Energy. This is... Again, my news is not coming up. I love, I love my iPad, let me tell you. Solar power is burning bright, this there one? There you go. That's solar power is burning bright. Okay. 
Solar power is burning so bright. Pearling, burning bright, but it's hardly twilight for fossil fuels. This is a whole article about a United Nations uh, environmental program study report that was just submitted. Uh, it's, it's very much about what's going on, what happened in 2017 and what's going on in the early parts of 2018, um, pointing out a lot of highlights in the world of renewable energy. You know, um, China is by far leading in its investment in domestic renewables, uh, mm-hmm. pumping $86.5 billion into solar energy alone. I mean, it's huge, huge amounts of money. Um, but so the, resor- the report was described as an extraordinary solar boom. Uh, however, China has cut back significantly on coal use domestically, but they are continuing to build a lot of coal fire plants abroad. Hmm. What's with that? <laughs> <laughs> what, do you, uh, I mean, what, do you, what do you think about that? I, probably there's a buck to be made. Absolutely. absolutely. But, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's also that places that can't um, invest in solar long term are still using coal or and even building plants. And that was part of that tipping point we talked about before mm-hmm. where if you can build a coal plant cheaper than you can build a solar f- array mm. – uh, and it will service 24-7, so all the benefits that come from, from. A, from a burning fossil fuel source as opposed to a, a intermittent renewable source. Um, you're going to go, I mean, it's just an economic decision, mm. right? But there are, there are places in the world that it makes sense to build solar in first world countries, maybe not so much in other parts of the world. That was that was what I took away from this. Mm. And, it's, and it's a little unfortunate because we're looking... Um, at greenhouse gases, gas emissions uh, is not going to stop if we just push the plants around the world. You know, one thing that occurs to me, if I don't know if China's a major coal exporter, but if they are, they'd like to have clients, right? Mm-hmm. And so creating those plants abroad could be good clients for long term for their coal exports, right? And it's something that is, is possible. I'm not seeing it there it could in, this, be, yeah, in I, this article. But, uh, you know, they're talking here about how, uh, so, yeah, I mean, geez, the Solar. I like this, this sentence they said here. Solar power accounted for more than a third of all electricity generated from energy sources that came online in 2017. It came larger- online, so that's specific. It's a third of right. all uh, plants and stuff that opened in 2017. Right. And this next sentence is really cool, too. But even as solar, along with its renewable energy cousins, like wind, biomass, and geothermal power expands, it still accounts for barely 12% of all electricity that the world consumes. That's right. kind of where we're at at the moment, 12%. Okay. right? And, less that's, than, and, that's, and that's a good one, less than 12%. But it's a double-digit percentage. That's nice. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. That's pretty big uh, stuff. There's also parts in here about the United States. Uh, historically, the larger emitter, largest emitter of greenhouse gases is us. Uh, but we're down slightly in 2017. Hooray, hooray for that. Um mm. And an investment of $40.5 billion. Um, however, um, uh, Trump's first year in office is a steady rollback in environmental protections. Uh, they announced pullout from the Paris Climate Accords. Uh, granted, the report lists out uh, many countries are listed as being progressing toward this, the Paris Agreement, but none of them are very close. Gotcha. Not, gotcha. Not at all. <laughs> right, right. Uh, well, yeah, and then there's the, uh, the, one of those, the last kind of uh, sentences in the, in the uh, article is the United Nations Secretary General, Antonio Guterres, has called climate change the biggest threat to humanity. So if we're not making progress on that, that's, uh, that's pretty concerning. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so anyway, uh, tariffs, we were talking about tariffs just a second ago. So tariffs on Chinese solar products hurt U.S. jobs. What is that all How about? does that happen? Because the tariffs <laughs> specifically are meant to uh, protect U.S. domestic manufacturing, right? Well, that's what you would think. <laughs> okay, so President Trump recently imposed tariff increases on Chinese solar cells. And actually, the, the new tariff is worldwide, as far as mm. I understand it, right? I mean, this, the, is, the, is the worldwide tariff in effect right now? Is the tariff in effect for anything coming in? Well, I mean, it's, well, okay. it was, it was Original, the whole... Originally, the tariff was Chinese manufactured cells. And then they added um, a couple other, like Taiwan, Korea, a couple other Asian um, manufacturing places. Because what happened is those factories basically just moved the stuff around you're talking about, You're talking about years back. Years back. Right, not, not this years most back. recent version. This, but this, you know, so, so the one they're talking about, Chinese solar cells, but, but it's not just Chinese solar cells. It's, it's everywhere. Um, but according to government facts, cheap solar cells flooded the U.S. market, uh, causes the cells to dive 60% 
from 2012 to 2016. I'm not so sure that was just dumping. I think manufacturing came online and economies of scale started to, to factor in, right? <laughs> yeah. That was my understanding is more people are buying the stuff, they're manufacturing more of it. And you can um, purchase, purchase it cheaper because they're, they're getting economies of scale. Right, right. Well, they, and they, they jump right into why. Um, so they're, and they're talking about SIA here, right? So SIA has done a pretty good job of explaining uh, which jobs are compromised, right? Mm-hmm. So it says the Solar Energy Industry Association uh, projects Trump's solar tariffs will uh, put the growth at risk, causing a loss of 23,000 American jobs. A lot of these jobs are uh, kind of like uh, the different types of jobs, not, not just installers, but people all throughout the kind of sub, uh, the, the chain of how a system gets installed, right? Mm-hmm. And um, 85% solar in- industry jobs are in installation sales and projects developments. you got a lot of different people there, right? Yep. These are the areas which benefit from imports of cheap solar cells and modules, right? So imposing tariffs on these will uh, slow the pace of installations 11% through 2022, uh, estimated by GTM. So, you know, these are the, uh, the, the people that will be affected uh, by these, um, these, tar- these tariffs. Right. The majority of jobs are not directly manufacturing jobs. And I guess I mean, the basic point is that the manufacturing is already gone. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so these tariffs slowing projects, projects that are being canceled. Uh, I've heard of uh, many hundreds of megawatts being canceled because of um, the modules are just too expensive, at mm. least right now. Now, it is a tiered tariff, as we talked about before. So next year, it's going to be less. The year after that, it's going to be even less. Uh, eventually, it fades out to nothing. I think that's four or five years. Four. Yeah. Four years. Um, so it's going to fade out in a, in a short term. And if you were one of these major stakeholders in a project, um, I would wait out the year at the very least because it's going to, the tariff is going to be half what it was right. last year. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And they go in to talk a little bit about who we're talking about here, right? So it says a job in solar gives people with less education a way into growing fields. Importantly, these are not dead-end jobs. Uh, schematic uh, from the Interstate Renewable Energy Council shows some potential career paths. Um, a search on Glassdoor, another employee site for solar jobs paying $80,000 and up yielded position descriptions including solar reliability engineer, solar project manager, solar the procurement manager. Many of these listed salaries are over $100,000 per year. Um, so really, these are great jobs that um, could be uh, compromised, probably will be compromised by this kind of lower amount of deployed solar. Yep. And that's just the, the bottom line. So, um, you know, kind of a, a frustrating kind of result of, of the tariffs. You know, one, on the other side of the fence, I read another article, and it talked about how manufacturing jobs do uh, bring a certain kind of uh, added benefit. Like, they're very, they tend to be a very stable component of an economy. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of one. Towns. Yeah, it's kind of one way to look at it. But, you know, we're kind of, um, it, I really, it, to me, when you look at uh, factories and manufacturing, robotics is playing such a critical role in, in, in that right now that I just don't see the the long-term, um, even that long-term strength of manufacturing jobs, given what's happening with robotics. Yeah, you need one or two engineers walking around an entire factory floor to fix machines when they break down. Right. Or otherwise, it's just kind of walking the door, press so the button. So that stability <laughs> that manufacturing jobs used to present to a community may really not be there as much as we move forward into robotics, taking over more and more of those skills and, 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 and actions and, and jobs, you know, roles. Sure. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of strange times for us here, huh? All right. So check it. Should we move over to national? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Clean Technic had a really neat article. This is um, there's something that happens when uh, you start moving into renewable sources of energy. You basically decommission the old forms, right? So we shut down nuclear reactors. We no longer burn uh, fossil fuel, natural gas, um, coal plants, uh, coal-fired plants get get decommissioned and shut down. The problem with coal plant coal coal plants, sorry, um, is they have all this ash that is left over mm-hmm. on the premises. They really don't even get rid of the stuff, or if they do, it's it's a massive field, many, many acres of coal ash land, and it's basically unusable. It's a toxic waste dump, this, right. this place, and so nobody wants it. They'll shutter, they'll shutter it. They can't sell it. Uh, nobody wants to buy this, obviously. Um, what do you do with it? And it actually costs millions of dollars to monitor, secure, maintain a coal ash, what they're calling a coal ash lagoon. A uh, 350-acre <laughs> lagoon can cost as much as $200 million a year just sitting there. Oh, no. 
and that's that's disgusting. <laughs> I don't like I don't like even talking about it. But that's, but it's the world we live in. I mean, this is where all the electricity has come from for a hundred years, right? Right. And and now what do we do with it? And we're not talking about just a few of these. What did you call them again? Coal lagoons. Coal lagoons. Coal, coal ash lagoons. <laughs> okay. They said yeah. that Sierra Club recently found there are fourteen hundred and twenty four uh, coal waste disposal sites across the United States with nearly eleven 1, hundred coal ash storage ponds, which I think is what you're talking about, yeah. right? So that's quite a bit, right? Yeah, it's a huge amount of money. Uh, so the program uh, costs many millions and millions of dollars. It's costing these companies, and it's the electric company. Now, the electric company, obviously, wherever your, your utility is, will pass those costs on to their subscribers, their mm-hmm. consumers. Mm-hmm. So we're still paying to, to keep these places just stagnant. Uh, so one interesting thing that we're seeing happen is that because this is literally just a flat land that nobody can use for anything else, they're actually putting out large tracts of solar on these on these on these lots mm. and actually using it and it's, it's, there's a really neat neat effect there they already have the power transmission i mean they, the, grid oh, is, right. the grid is built around right. this facility making power that's so a, the substations are already there the wiring is already there high voltage transmission lines and everything else so it's a perfect place to put in large megawatt installations of solar and they're actually taking a look at this which i thought was a major positive um because there's basically nothing else you can do with it right yeah, I mean, I love seeing that. You know, it kind of reminds me of that article that came back uh, a while back uh, regarding, I think it was Chernobyl, mm-hmm. and they were talking about putting solar panels into this space because you can't use it for much else, right? Right. And uh, there's a certain kind of irony. You can just imagine the, 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 the image of seeing solar panels on a, you know, a site that had been you know, destroyed by a nuclear accident or, or areas or that have been compromised by, yeah. by this coal ash that you're talking about. So, um, yeah, I'm glad to see that. It's good to see that this land is being utilized in, the, in kind of productive ways. I'd like to see more of it. Nice. All right. Let's jump right into news about Solar World because that is the topic of the day. Um, Solar World is sorting out the Solar Worlds. And that's interesting. The solar worlds. There's solar more than, worlds. There's more than one. Okay. <laughs> Amid other bankruptcy, it's it's a plural there, definitely. Uh, solar, world, solar world was in the news a lot this week, um, but it wasn't the one in Hillsboro. Uh, solar world filing for bankruptcy is actually um, Solar World Industries, mm-hmm. which is a company based in Germany. In Germany. Okay, so that's that's what I understood. Solar World is the the, the core Solar World is actually a German company. Right. Yeah. Um, so there's Solar World Americas as well, um, and they are or are not a subsidiary. Um, yeah. So they were a subsidiary. Solar World America is a subsidiary of of the the German company. And then mm-hmm. um, there's been some changes since that original solv- uh, insolvency. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a few months was it like six months ago or something mm-hmm. like that. And then this new one. So they're kind of shuffling companies around. Okay. Uh, but the bottom line is they're going into insolvency again. And um, yeah, I mean it's kind of uh, uh, you know people are really concerned about this. Uh, it, it you know this is this is a company that's been around for a long time. So it's easy to, to uh, kind of. Some people are painting a negative picture of them as a company because they were part of the tariff petitioning, right? Mm-hmm. That's one of the things. And uh, but when we look, you know, when we think back on what we've been able to experience with um, with uh, our, with meeting some of the staff at, at, at in Vegas, right? Mm-hmm. You could see that this company has amazing roots, right? And has done some really aw- awesome things for for the industry, right? right? They actually played a role in kind of creating the creating solar industry. the industry, right? So uh, you know, they've and they've also managed to survive that whole time, right? So um, um, Which is not an easy thing to do. I mean, there's a part of part of our conversation here is going to be predicting the future, and and we're talking about all the things that have happened manufacturing wise, the panels coming from monocrystalline structures where they had to slice them apart and wire them, hand wire them together, all the way mm-hmm. up to uh, growing these polycrystalline things and just shipping them out in mm-hmm. in mass. Uh, so many so many changes along the way that it would be difficult to navigate for anybody. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so it'll be interesting to see how Solar World, uh, you know, uh, works through this period, and uh, and also for American jobs. I mean, you do have the uh, Solar World um, in, in Portland, right? In mm-hmm. in, um, in Hillsborough. And uh, you know, so there are jobs, there are actual people there that are that are you know dealing with this. And it's not small. Time. It's many hundreds of U.S. domestic jobs, right? 
Yes. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of people yeah. that, that are employed in this. And then so, you know, the irony, one of the things, I think it's actually the next article that we have here about this, but mm-hmm. there, they, one of the things you would never think, it, this article says the solar world that loves tr- that loves Trump's tariff and the one that doesn't, right? Mm-hmm. So there's actually two solar worlds, and they're kind of on opposite sides of this conversation about tariffs. Yeah, but solar world was the one that started the tariff case <laughs> in the first place, wasn't it? <laughs> so this is a really confusing uh, kind of story here, but I mean, the bottom line is that the um, the the German co- uh, company it mm-hmm. wants to be able to import its uh, cells here to America, mm-hmm. and they're filing for exemption to the uh, to the tariffs. Right? right, they're saying, hey, we're not a cheap you know manufacturer dumping our, our, our product on America. We're not. We we should get one of the exemptions. Mm-hmm. And then the actual uh, Solar World, I think it's America's, is mm-hmm. well, the one that filed for the uh, uh, filed for the actual tariff. Right. Right. So there, <laughs> it's you would think that these are uh, these are the same company. Would, they're actually hope, two separate companies. I would companies. hope that there was a little more communication between the two. But I suppose. Well, there's no comment on this yet, I think, really, in terms of uh, that bizarre uh, contradiction there. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, so <laughs> it's weird, weird kind of a course of events here for Solar World. Yep. Um, we do have a couple more pieces of news before we jump into that, um, that interview uh, from Vegas. But uh, what's going on with Tesla? It seems like they have some things happening here. Tesla is also in the news again, of course. Um, they have massive financial worries. Um, they brought in that um, Solar City install, one of the largest installers in the uh, in the nation, basically. Yeah. Um, bought them for two billion dollars, uh, but Solar Solar City actually had two point nine billion dollars in debt. At the time of purchase, which which is a significant amount for Tesla to bring in. So, like, I'm not a, I'm not a big financial M and A kind of guy here, mm-hmm. but that sounds to me like you paid two billion dollars for one billion dollar debt. <laughs> is that what, no, is that what just happened? No, because the company <laughs> itself has value. Okay, so there's more value. Hey, I'll take that <laughs> billion dollars of debt take, for take two the billion. Whole, yeah. Take the whole value of Solar City in its right. entirety. Okay. Subtract that debt, and then gotcha. yeah. 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 <laughs> so he's saying Solar City was basically worth four point nine billion, and, and okay. Uh, Okay, I, I okay. don't know if that's necessarily true. Got it, got it, got it. <laughs> um, but there's, there's an awful lot going on with Tesla where there are some reports saying from Bloomberg that they're hemorrhaging $6,500 per minute right wow. now. Which is which is just an obscene amount of money. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, they've also had problems. They had a uh, driver fatally, uh, fatally injured, fatally, fatally injured, fatally dead um, in an autopilot self-driving um, Incident. Uh, from what I understand, that was actually uh, pilot error, but it was a misunderstanding of what the technology could do at the time. Oh, I, yeah. Uh, he was he was under the assumption that it would be I can flip the switch and take a nap, and that's absolutely not the case. You need to drive your car at this point. No <laughs> so kidding. If you, Whoa, do, have, happened, if you huh? do have a Tesla, do not assume that the autopilot is going to do it for you. You go in the back and do something. You know, and not quite there not, yet. Not going to happen for a number okay. of years. It's 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 still illegal to do that. Uh huh. So don't. Uh, but there's an awful lot going on with Tesla, and they're um, wondering if they're ever going to be able to dig themselves out because they missed some targets shipping their Model 3s, which are their new bread-and-butter kind mm. of vehicle. Um, any thoughts? Well, I understand that Elon Musk had um, – he may even shut down the lines for the S and the X and then put – this is in this article, but I read this in another one earlier mm-hmm. in the week – and that he personally was overseeing the Model 3 uh, production. Yeah. Uh, so obviously it's a priority for them, and you know, I mean, it's hard to count out Tesla. You know, these these guys are—they uh, tend to be like magicians. I tend to think of Elon Musk as like a, a Barnum and Bailey. Yeah. You know, he's no, just the—he's just the kind of you know PT Barnum. He just kind of knows how to uh, get people excited, and he'll find the money somewhere. Yeah, I That's call it. Uh, it was it was um, Steve Jobs' reality distortion field, sure. and, and Musk definitely has some some yeah. some whiff of it's that. It's magic. I mean, uh, it, it is that exactly that. But they have been um, their credit rating has been hurt significantly. Sure. They've been downgraded by Moody's, which is very funny because it's a weird name for a credit rating company, Moody. Oh, for Moody. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. Um, this is, I just don't see them in a very good position right now. And if the stock no. starts to tumble, they're going to have a problem. Yeah, and the stock's down considerably right now, too. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, um, let's take a look. So, hey, look, you know, regardless of what happens with Tesla, like I said, I'm, I, I'm no soothsayer here. I don't know what's going to happen to them, but I do have a certain confidence in the company, and they're engaged in so much, uh, so many amazing t- different paths right now, right? From mm-hmm. SpaceX to, you know, either Elon Musk involved with all these amazing things. Um, you know, but he, Tesla did shift the auto industry and, and did kind of initiate that whole through the master plan thing, this new era that we're living in. Or that that we're was their goal. In. And I think if, even if Tesla auto, uh, Tesla is in, in its entirety, um, fails at some stage, I think Musk would call it a success well, simply because 
of that. Yeah, he pegged it. I remember in one of the interviews, he pegged it and he said, hey, we're looking at maybe a 20% uh, chance of success here, mm-hmm. but we have to do it. Right, and uh, so you know, hopefully they will succeed. But they have catalyzed the industry. Yep. And next, uh, next model year, we have thirty-seven yeah. plus electric vehicles to choose from. You know, I don't know about <laughs> you, Jay, but like, I, as much as I like Tesla and it's exciting and I enjoy the insane mode and all the fun stuff and all that, it was never a car for me personally. And now, when the cars are coming out, the ones that I look at, like, I get kind of excited about some of those because I, I like regular, I like cars, like not right. like spaceships. Well, you want a pickup truck? <laughs> the base, yeah, of course, the pickup truck. <laughs> Actually, I'll tell you the funny thing. After our interview with um, Kelly King last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went home and started like um, trying to figure out which model of my truck I could get in diesel. Uh, I, was, I was so into the idea. I'm like, I don't need to wait for an EV. I'll just get a diesel. Nice. So into uh, biodiesel. All right, let's. We do have a Hawaii uh, piece of news here. This was actually really good. This uh, utility dive. Love our guys over there, friends. Thank you. Um, electric vehicles to dominate Hawaiian roads by 2045. Well, what did we say? We looked at each other and said, <laughs> Duh. Duh. <laughs> of course, of course, it will. It's 20. Yeah. It's 2018. <laughs> And I know, like, dozens of people with EVs. Yeah, it is. We're, we're, we're on a ramp. Um, electrification <laughs> of transportation. I, I think they're, they're looking more at, at everything. So the whole of transportation, which is um, all the buses, um, other right. taxis, everything, that, that things that um, may or may not be. Uh, well, I mean, we have, you know, it's uh, we, right now, so this this week, a, a electric bus is on the ground here in Maui. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah, and I put it on our Silicoaster Facebook page. You don't look at oh, Facebook, nice. Jay? I am, I'm the most antisocial. Are you boycotting okay. Zuck? <laughs> right? <laughs> okay. So, yeah, no, there's a, it's here now. And mm-hmm. um, actually, I remember talking with Amir Arakawa years back, mm-hmm. and, he, and he said that, you know, we should open up that, that, that line, the road from uh, Wailea to Kula for public transportation only as a test. Mm-hmm. And I thought, geez, solar-powered bus, that would be cool, right? And a bus so, is a perfect thing for it. I mean, it's, it's a significant weight. I mean, you have to get the weight down. But it does have a lot of surface area. For solar, that could, well, that yeah, could be, I mean, that I, could be fun, right? Yeah, I mean, you could trickle charge the bus, I suppose, well, right? What was, what was the number? It was a one kilowatt for a re- a passenger car that you needed to keep, basically have keep it running into like was perpe- really? perpetually. Well, you got to send me that article. I don't remember what's the end. Okay, that I, I, sounds I, I, good. I'll, I'll have to send you that. Well, one. I mean, if but you would charge it, you know, somewhere on a field somewhere there. Well, see, that, right? that's that's the thing is that they're talking. The buses run basically constantly, so that's not. It doesn't work that way. What they were modeling is how what how an average person drives their vehicle mm-hmm. goes from place to place. You right. stand, you stay somewhere and park, and as you're parked, it would be charging. Why don't we just just lay some inductive you know coil and then just call it a day and it constantly charges we like uh, like to talk about right? that except we were just talking about the solar roadways that are basically falling apart <laughs> all right well i'd love to see a run up to, to, to Tadeshi for a tourist i think that'd be a fun thing okay. all right so um yeah we will have uh electric vehicles by 2045 i would say that's probably a very pretty much a very reasonable predictor thank you there. yeah very cool so shall we um <laughs> why don't we roll into our uh commercials and we'll come back come and we'll back get, solar get an amazing story here from solar world the beginnings and all the way through to today excellent aloha and welcome to maui solar project it is easy to feel rejuvenated at just stepping outside on a magnificent Hawaiian day. Maui Solar Project is here to help harness that energy you feel in your body and use it to power your homes and businesses. As Laura tells us, Maui harnessed the sun so as to slow its path across the sky. Join Maui Solar Project as we harness the sun's energy and slow Hawaii's dependence on fossil fuels. Call Maui Solar Project at 269-2352. MauiSolarProject.org. Tsubuchi Electric, a leading worldwide inverter manufacturer, presents the second generation of the eco-intelligent battery system, the IBIS. Tsubuchi's grid-friendly system includes a high-efficiency inverter, stackable batteries, and integration with Jelly software for the most adaptable battery storage system on the market. The system is optimized for energy management and cost performance. Maximize your solar investment with Tsubuchi's electric eco-intelligent battery system. The Sonin Batter Eco is an energy storage solution that utilizes intelligent energy management software. The system is available in a variety of storage capacities and allows for expansion. Sonin Battery Eco allows you to save money by harvesting energy from your solar PV system and using that stored energy when rates are more expensive. Sonin Battery Eco is specifically designed to provide you and your family peace of mind in the event of power outage. Our unique power detection system will sense outages in real time and automatically switch over to battery power. See Sonin Battery Eco at sonin-battery.com. 
MIT-founded Pika Energy, makers of the Pika Energy Island, a smart energy management system that uses solar panels, lithium batteries, and intelligence to manage your energy and keep you powered even during outages. With a clean, intelligent alternative to grid power, you're in control of your energy future. Pika's Energy Island lets you manage electrical costs with eco-ready self-supply functions. Pika's largest battery, the Harbor Plus, offers 16 kilowatt hours of stored energy and can power loads of up to 10 kilowatts. And if you need more capacity, just add a second or even third Harbor Smart battery to the same system for a maximum of 48 kilowatt hours of usable storage. Pika Energy, own your power. To learn more, visit pika-energy.com. Sundrum Solar is the manufacturer of a revolutionary thermal collector that fits on the underside of your standard PV panel to maximize energy capture per square foot. The Sundrum Solar Hybrid PVT system combined photovoltaic and thermal holds the world record for peak efficiency, capturing an astounding 86% usable energy. Learn how Sundrum Solar vastly improves electric, heating, and cooling economics at sundrumsolar.com. Okay, those were our uh, wonderful commercials. Thanks so much to our sponsors. Thank you, sponsors. Keep us rolling. Yes. Okay, so we got a great interview here uh, discussing the beginnings of Solar World. This kind of uh, this this company with all these things happening and recent news. Um, and you know, we really wanted to air this. Uh, I think Jay and I talked about this because it's come up a number of times. I, I, I think it's sort of stale because it's it's Vegas last year, but it is timeless because it's the history. Yeah, and it's and it's really like you know you keep hearing this con- this 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 language about Solar World, and there's a lot of negativity. In the news mm-hmm. right now, but in actuality, these guys are real innovators and pioneers. Yeah. So I thought it'd be, you know, we both kind of thought it was this is a good time to hear from uh, the Raju. Yeah, Raju. Thank you so much. Yeah, really nice fellow. Okay, so you ready to go? Let's do it. Let's Here. do it. Yeah, my name is Raju Yanamandra. Nice to meet you. Nice, nice to, to meet you. For coming on the Solar Coaster, sure uh, Ben was just giving us a great introduction of the company and kind of the, the very beginnings of Solar World. So we're here looking at this amazing kind of display of the evolution of solar panels. Uh, and you know, we, we Jay and I were just talking about that and kind of excited right. to maybe give our, our listeners a little bit of a perspective on how far things have come. So we're looking at this panel right here. The first one is right. 1977. It says original Arco solar module. Right. What are we looking at here? So what you're looking there is uh, that itself was revolutionary for the day because you know when you look at modules today, you you look at modules that are like uh, with the cells that are six inch square. Yeah. And uh, before 1977, their diameter was almost like a two inch and three inch because they could not grow the crystals any bigger than that. Right, so because that's about three inches that in diameter right That now. is in three inches in diameter, maybe slightly larger than the three inches in diameter. And one of the things that we try to do also is at that time, the efficiency of these particular cells were not very high. That's because material was just different, the processes were not as refined as they are today. And so to collect the all the current that you have from the solar cell when the sun hits the panel is to how can you optimally collect that energy? And so that was a, a good attempt to optimize it done by engineering. Yeah. Yeah. But when you take a look at it and say, oh, man, you can do that one. However, it is difficult to manufacture in high volume. Right. And so that's why you say, okay, in the limited volume that you're doing, you can get away with it. Right. So that's evolution of any technology is you get started and have the product work and work, work very well. Yeah. And next you can say, how do I make it less expensive and to do that one you do in mass production. So and so as it, as I said to give you a, a question here, so you got thirty three watts. Right. Maybe it's about four feet by a foot, right? Right. And um, so what would the efficiency be on a percentage basis for something like this? There's a tremendous amount of waste between us. Oh it is so. well of course because the, the <laughs> reason like is when you grow percent or something like that or a few percent, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna Oh the, the efficiency of this particular one is probably in the neighborhood of about uh, like seven percent. Seven percent at the, at the cell level or at the frame at the, level? At the frame level. Frame at the level. Wow, level. very interesting. Yeah, and these, these metal bands, yeah. those are those the Those are the collectors. collectors. Those are the ones. See, whenever the sun hits the solar cell, it uh, actually pops out the electrons from there, and the electron flow is your current, right? And so when you do that one, the electrons, when they're free, they need to be collected. And when they're collected, they need to be connected to the next cell, to the next cell. Think of each one of them is producing about half a volt mm-hmm. and about a, approximately uh, one amp. Right. 
of current. And so when you connect a half a volt and you have, you know, uh, you know, 34 of them, 33 of them, yeah. if you have 33 of those things, in, in the, you essentially end up with, uh, a, you know, 16 volt uh, module. Right. A 16 volt module is a perfect voltage to charge a 12 volt battery. Uh, right. <laughs> because all the applications were off grid. You didn't have any grid connected. So the so the real in, in the industry got started in an off grid because when you don't have a, a place where you can plug in any place, the cost of electricity is whatever. What is your other option? Right. Get batteries. Batteries are a lot more expensive. Right. Like if you have a, you take a double A battery, it'll cost you two hundred fifty dollars per kilowatt hour. Right. Right. Well, here's so a, it's like you take a look at from that point of view. In terms of cost, uh, do you have any idea? What that what the retail price was of that unit? It's probably at that time. I'm talking about 1977 dollars. Yeah. It was probably about eight dollars a watt. Eight dollars a watt for the panel, but in seventy-seven dollars. So with that translation today, I wouldn't know. But that's very eight dollars a watt. That you know, you essentially multiplied by thirty-three. Right. You're, this unit probably sold for two hundred fifty dollars in right. nineteen seventy-seven dollars. Right. That's somebody's paycheck for a for a for a week. Right. right. <laughs> so, but the thing is. The industry gets started yeah. somewhere, so that's the and that is point. the starting point. It's yeah. remarkable. Yeah. So then, moving down this As, little like timeline, we're right. in 1982. This so is where we went and said, okay, we are going to go and start producing a uh, a large-scale manufacturing plant. And you were actually and, working uh, for Solar Solar World around this yeah, time, right? Yeah, I worked on that project there, the first one megawatt system uh, grid-connected one system in the system. world. And, uh, the first, first one, one megawatt, megawatt system, system in the world that was grid connected. And where was that? That was in Southern California. Okay, no grid connected one yes. megawatt system. 1982. Yeah, that's early. Yeah, and we didn't even and have these modules. This, we oh, used wow. these modules out there. I see a lot of change here. So we're yes. Right. Essentially, but we, what we have done is we essentially took the the round ingot that actually grow and shape it into a square shape before you cut them into the shape that you see here. This is four-inch square cells. Right. Why did we do that? Because we can pack more yep. of them into the... Like you were earlier, you were mentioning about all the empty space that you had. We filled it up. Right. And then this one gives you uh, 55 watts. So we so we've gone from are these the actual this, sizes or is this yeah a these are actual sizes right. these okay. are actual products right these are production modules that we kept right amazing you know, so it is not like a, a, a mock up or anything like that so as we move along we're right. now to 1987 five right. years later what are we five years at here? later five years later we came back and say where else, what can you where can you use this product out there we can use for remote homes residential regardless of whether it is remote home or urban home. People want the product to look nice. Okay, so having something that is with this, you know, aluminum frame that is shiny and all those things, but not necessarily the one that people were interested. So they said, okay, the first black module for residential application was 1987. It's interesting because you also have a black back sheet. Yes. This this doesn't look that dissimilar from you know what we got here. Now these we did we did the formulation along working with a, a lab that was produced using this material with a white pack sheet and we said we need a white, uh, black pack sheet. And I said, well, we have not done that before. I said, well, you're going to do it now. First time, In first time for everything, so you're going to do it. And they did that and so we made all black module right. for residential application. Gotcha. This runs a little hotter so its performance is not uh, as good, but aesthetics are so important to residences. Right. So we said, okay, we'll compromise on the sure. performance to looks. It's amazing. Yeah. And we're dealing with, is this all polycrystalline uh, silicon at the moment? Or no, no, this mono? is all monocrystalline. monocrystalline all right? This company's uh, in a DNA was all monocrystalline. Oh, oh interesting. Yeah, that's how it, it says, that in, uh, moving on, it's 1996, 1996. it says that you know, 100 megawatts of manufacturer. Yes. One the first, first manufacturer, the first, uh, first company to have 100 megawatts of cumulative manufacturing as of that day. If you take a look at that, because huge. when we first got started, there was a product looking for a market. 
It was not like a market that's already there and they said, okay, we're going to supply to that. Yeah. The market didn't exist. Yeah. So you have to first educate, train, yep. sell, yep. install, maintain. Right, wow. And so so we don't have to educate and, uh, you know, uh, you know, training and all those things. That is, we have the infrastructure now. Amazing. So, so going into the, uh, the these pictures, you guys, great pictures of installations. Right. So uh, this is a, uh, this particular project is a one megawatt, two axis tracking system. And each tracker is a 24 foot by 24 foot. Wow. In a uh, tracker, it was in Southern California. This was designed and built in 11 months, start to finish, and grid connected, first grid connected system in the world. I was at that time with a, uh, a, a project engineer on the job. I had far less gray hair, more of yeah. my hair had black. Is that where it started? <laughs> Soon after that, right? So you got a whole and, array of different and then systems we, here. And this system here is a system that is a, we started using, okay, two axis trackers uh, required a lot of land. And we said, okay, land is at a premium. We cannot always have two axis trackers. So let's use single axis tracker. We get a little less energy, but we can be more compact. Right. Okay. And uh, yeah, let's move on a little bit more. And uh, and so uh, and and so this particular system here was a single axis tracking system, awesome. and so we were the uh, first one to do a single axis tracker. Whoa, first one to do two axis trackers. That's in and 1991 and then 2008. Is, no, this is actually uh, that was uh, the 1997 for the okay. mistake. You know, oh, so we're going to correct that typo. 81 and 97. Right. And the Vatican. And the Vatican, we had a system that we installed uh, in, in the Vatican in 2007. Okay. And and, uh, because they wanted to show that they also care about the environment, they wanted to be green. Right. And so they did that system. This is on top. It, it, exactly. Because it was very important to see when you go to places like uh, the Vatican, you really are talking about, uh, you know, some of the buildings are so old that you really want to maintain the visual integrity yeah. of architectural integrity sure. of the place. So we, we engineered that one to say that we will follow the contours in such a way that we are least intrusive, yet make it green, yet use the roof. So are and, there any, uh, other, any other core firsts here that are So important? this is uh, on, a, uh, on a trade show thing in uh, one megawatt system okay. in, uh, in Munich in okay. 1997. Uh-huh. And, uh, and here, the first if it, the net zero community in 1985. Well, where's and I was that? The, uh, this Arizona? was in Phoenix, Arizona. I was the project manager and, uh, for that one. And uh, what we did was there were 24 homes that were being built. These 24 homes had rammed earth construction and energy management. And so they minimized the and they minimized the energy consumption of the homes. And then we said, okay, if you're going to minimize, we'll do take a look at the total energy expected expected energy consumption of these 24 homes, and designed a system to produce that much on an annual basis. Okay, and because the orientation and that term, net zero, we all net, utilize. Well, you know, if you take a look at it now, you have a lot of homes that are in different orientations. So the developer said, okay, I have a piece of land. I'll give it to you. Yeah. You put a system for optimum performance, and one twenty-fourth of each output uh, of, uh, of the system, each homeowner gets it. Wow, that's very cool. You know? That's very cool. It's like community yeah. solar today. Exactly. Got something going on here. So this is a test system that you have there. We designed a system that this was a DOE-supported uh, program. Mm-hmm. The plan was, how can you make an extremely energy-efficient home? And then say, okay, you have passive uh, features in the home. You know, if you have in, uh, in New Mexico, you're going to have a courtyard, central courtyard and adobe construction, all of the native construction things that you use to minimize energy consumption right. and have maximum solar gain right. in, uh, in winter and the least amount of solar gain in summer. You design that and say, okay, 
this house with that square footage will consume this much energy. So we then build like this as solar shingles. Right. And so how can we do this one and simulate a roof and right. say, will it do the job that you claim you're going to do? This is how the test. Wow. So we did different uh, roofs out there. This is the nice Exactly right. Exactly right. So there's a handful of other kind of like um, and, and the, perhaps the milestones. The, yeah, exactly. And uh, then, then we realized as we were growing the market and market significantly, mm-hmm. and we realized that the demand for a product is going to be far greater projecting out because this is the largest economy in the world. Mm-hmm. We are in a very high energy consumption uh, society and we needed to have a lot more production capacity. Mm-hmm. So we went from uh, 160 megawatts a year production to 500 megawatts a year production with a lot of investment in Oregon. And that's what the significance is. And you would see a, a, a picture of the uh, plan as we move forward. Right. And uh, and once we increase the production, and then we said, okay, it's not just about the production volume that's going to go up. We have to continue to innovate. And uh, unless you innovate in every which way, whether you're doing it in the product level or manufacturing level or the design level or the technology. All of those things need to come together. And this is the monopore technology, which essentially gives for the same amount of raw materials that you end up using, it gives you a boost in energy up to like about 10 to 15% more in, uh, and in the power yeah. side of it. Okay. And to do that, we have to change all the processes, which we did. We invested money. The final change was in the wafer, the cell, in, in the, the and it's in the process. Okay. In the process, the, the chemistry of oh, the, like the doping uh, of the, yeah, the, the chemistry as well as the physical nature of right. the product itself, okay. yeah, of the cell. Okay. The, the cell. Yeah. Once you do that one, then you gain it. All of them go back to uh, when you go from four inch to five inch to six inch. So the larger, larger you, yeah, essentially, are. six inch is now the standard. Mm-hmm. And, and so we went down that road and said, okay, here we are going to continue to expand. And so what we decided was, okay, we are going to make cells that are going to be six inch square, like I said. But now we put 72 of them in a series yeah. to give you a larger footprint. Right. This is great, but the challenge is that the weight of this one is greater than 50 pounds. Two men carry. And two men have to, because of OSHA requirements. Yeah. And so we kept the 60-cell product, right. which is less than uh, the 60, 50 pounds, so that you have one person can easily carry. Right. I noticed there's something product. really different here in this in This, this, uh, this is the black module. This black module, again, it goes back to the, uh, the, the old, this thing, in uh, 19. 1987, we got the feedback from the homeowners and say, I want it to look good. Right. And so we with the black module. That's this, what is for residential application. The transparent back sheeting here, is that part of the sexual cell? Is this, 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 this solar panel? Oh, the, the, we, we, this, this particular one is a bifacial right. module. And, those are and the bifacial module means that you essentially have an active uh, uh, cell in the front, an active cell in the back. Right. And how much actual gain can you get on the back side? With, with uh, it depends this? on what kind of a reflective surface you have in the back. Right. Suppose you have a flat roof, and the flat roof is painted white, and you get a 10% or 15% gain. Right. Because as a reflected light, the back surface is also an active cell. Right. And that's like a... Think so of it's that the as same a, cell, right? It's like a, Think cells. of that like a, it's the same cell. Same cell. So you process it differently. Right. You process it in the back the same way like you process it in the front. Uh-huh. Think of this as a turbocharged stuff. Right. You are like giving it like a boost that you end up having. And the, again, any boost is as good as how much of fuel that you give. That means how much of reflection are you giving? Right. right. So know. now in the 2016 bifacial, right. what is the front side uh, STC rating? That this one is, uh, for example, maybe 300 watt module. 300 watt. You know, and then with a potential, uh, potential 10%, for the 10, 15% gain, it's not in the power, but it's in the energy right. that you end up getting. Right. Why yeah. is that? Why is because it? It, 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 it increases the current, doesn't increase the voltage out there. And ah. so, so we, we don't know what surface, what amount of reflection you're going to have. Mm. So when we test these things in the factory, we have to flash to standards and say, this is the rating. 
on that rating plus whatever gain that you're going to get because of reflected light yeah. is going to vary from location to location, place it, to place. If it doesn't change the power, then it shouldn't affect your pairing with your inversion, right? So you're, if you have the same power rating coming out of that panel, Correct. then potential backside variations shouldn't really affect what type of inverters you choose, right? Because inverters can going to have maximums of DC inputs, Correct. right? Exactly. That's right. actually a really a nice feature. That's a nice that. feature. We were just having that conversation Correct. today. Correct. So what do you see moving past the bifacials into 2017 where we're living now turn the corner we can take a look but but the the key thing is this is the uh, bifacial is the next one that we see and uh, they will be all of the things that you see here if you know people try to have revolutionary things out there realistically it's a bunch of evolutionary changes that you end up making so whenever we have an R&D program we have like 20-30 active projects that we have, each one of them gives you half a watt increase, one watt increase, quarter, whatever it is. And then you're going to take a look and say, am I going to change the process? Is it going to cost me more than the gain that I'm is getting? It worth it? Is it worth it? Yeah. So you have to have the delicate have balance between the two. You choose the one or two that's right. worth it. And and the things that are worth, sometimes we take ten of them, but we also make one at a time in terms of, we test it for a long period of time. Because one thing that people have to realize is we have products that are designed for a 30-year design life right. and a 25-year warranty. You yeah. do not want to cheapen the product with cheaper material just to sell today for a gotcha. price. You want to make sure that it lasts for that long. That's a great, great, great point. Okay. A good way and it's very important. But, you know, people look at the investment today. You can invest a tad bit more in the, in the module, you know, and and get a high-quality module that will serve you for 30 years. Gotcha. The longevity is really longevity, Absolutely. So, um, thank you so much. I do have a question. We, we were talking with some other people about uh, lowering resistance by having the size of the cells. What are your thoughts on that, that in, innovation? You can do that when it's when the size of the cells, you cut it in half and then you actually string them together. Yeah. And so what they're really doing is like essentially cut in half, you string them together and two different strings and bring it together in one central point to do that. Yes, right. that is a benefit. Again, it goes back to this is what, the, you're saying. what we're saying earlier. Okay, you get how much more do you get right. and how much more effort is it into cutting right. and stringing more pieces right which one is going to how do you net net benefit right if so is makes, that is that yeah. kind of like maybe a cheap trick and not really like a real it's innovation not, or it, is that it, a good one it, it's not it, it's like an incremental change right okay and uh, every one of them i call it, consider that an innovation right but nece- but not all innovations pay back well what are the um, what are okay. what are the the, what, what, your expectation, having seen this evolution for the yeah. last, what do we have here, 30, 40, 40 years? 42 years. I, mean, I was born when that panel was made. So <laughs> just looking at that evolution, you probably have a pretty good idea of what's coming, right? So what are, what are some of the, can you give us a teaser as to what you expect to be relevant I think technology? what we will do, essentially do at this particular point is, okay, now we focus entirely on the module. Right now, we have not. Even though our focus is on the end customer, we didn't talk about the end customer. What does the end customer really look at? End customer really look and say, "Here, I'm going to put this much money here. You put solar on my roof there. How much return am I going? How much savings do I really have?" Yeah. That's what they. At the end of the day, that's what they're going to look. And so we spent a lot of time to say, "Bring down the cost of the module. Bring down the cost of the module." There are other people working at bringing down the cost of the inverse. Yeah. And then they came back and said, okay, we'll have, uh, we have the micro-inverters. Okay? The, the micro-inverters are put on the back of the modules. That's mm-hmm. the next evolution to say, we put the inverter on the back of the modules at the factory. So you're not taking lots of bits and parts and pieces going on the roof and putting all this thing together. You have an AC module. So an AC module that you have 208 or 240 volt there, you can take it there, put, install it like a regular module, and you daisy chain, connect it to one next to the other, and take it down and say, okay, there is your system there. So you el- eliminate a lot of wiring, eliminate a lot of quality problems that you have there, whether the product works or doesn't work, mm-hmm. because we already installed the factory and tested it before we shipped. Gotcha. So you have, yeah. and you have one company managing that whole 
Correct. Yeah, and process. we are not inverter uh, in the manufacturer, but we buy from the ones that are proven, right. good, solid company. There's something that, in that because then you know that you know we have an issue, then you call the one company and you're able to change it out. Correct. So exactly. It's good to know. And for the advantage to the installer really is they call one company essentially to say, hey, I have a problem with this one or whatever the case may be. You know, that's the advantage. It's pretty amazing. I was a yeah. great. I actually learned quite a bit. I've been an installer for almost ten years now, so oh, that, I got a, some really new info. I really appreciate the time. Very good. Yeah, thank and, you. Uh, and our factory here, uh, the one picture that I just saw that you guys have is it's a seven hundred thousand square foot facility uh -huh. in Oregon. It's uh, uh, all of it that you see. It's not a warehouse anything like that. This is all factory. So manufacturing. And all manufacturing. Right. And uh, we are the largest manufacturer in the Western Hemisphere. And uh, uh, so it's a pretty impressive uh, facility. Yeah. When you get a chance, you should go take a look at it. Well, I'd love to take you up on that. That'll be a lot of fun. So we alternatively come to Hawaii and we'll put you on Okay. Yeah, <laughs> be glad to do that one. Yes. So this has been uh, Raju okay. and uh, Ben from Solar World. Thank you both very much. It's been yeah illuminating. Thank you. Okay. Thank you All very right. much. Hey, Aloha, guys. Thanks, Thanks for coming. Okay. So uh, that was an amazing um, interview, right? Yeah. Great history. Um, can't believe that they were involved in so many interesting things all the way back. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, folks, as usual, we don't have time for our future Always focus section. Sorry about that. Uh, this is the, has been the Solar Coaster uh, right here in lovely Maui County on KOI 1110 AM. We are sponsored by Maui Solar Project, Tabuchi Electric America, Sonam Battery, Pika Energy, and Sun Drum Solar. Hey, folks, have a great Aloha Friday. Happy weekend.